Welcome, everybody, to another edition of We Talk Photo, the photography podcast about landscape, nature, and everything else photography-related. I'm one of your hosts, John Peterson, and my co-host, Mr. Jack Graham, is still on sabbatical. And the way I hear it, he's having a great time, doing well, um, taking care of life, and really enjoying his time off from the biz. I know we all look forward to having Jack back amongst us with his uh, with his wit and his humor. So, looking forward to him coming back and being on the show with us again. So today, I have an absolutely exciting, fantastic guest for y'all. This gentleman has been in the business for over thirty-five years. And he is a Canon Explorer of Light. So this is he's one of only just a handful of people in the world to achieve that, that designation to, to represent the best that Canon has to offer. And we'll have him uh, explain a little bit more of what that's about. But I'd like to welcome to the show today, Mr. Daryl Galeen. Hello, Daryl. Hey, hey, thank you, John. Uh, appreciate that intro, but it sounds like you aged me a little bit, but that's true. Uh, also, I do want, yeah, I do want to say hi to Jack and uh, look forward to when he comes back. You bet. Yep, yep, Jack. Uh, I think I think everybody misses Jack because he was such a such a presence for constant presence for in so many people's lives for a long, long time. So, yeah, it'll be great to have him back. I'm sorry he couldn't be with us today, Daryl. So you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for uh, for coming on the show with us, and uh, you're a, a, a wonderful, another Pacific Northwest native. You're up in uh, Seattle, in the Seattle area. In the Seattle area, Sammamish, which is just on the east east side of Lake Washington. Uh, oh, I've been beautiful. there now for 32 years. Born and raised in Seattle. Oh, outstanding. I tell you, I find more, you know, of course, we live in such an amazing, amazing uh, environment up here. It just sort of breeds landscape and nature photographers in a way. There's so many of us up here. That is so true. And uh, it, it's great, again, to be able to be involved with you guys. I've been able to follow a number of your podcasts, and you've had a number of uh, great Northwest photographers from this this area yeah we have we have we have we we uh not that we try to focus on them it's just that we end up knowing a lot of folks from our local areas so so daryl let's do this so for those that aren't familiar with you why don't you give us uh, a, a quick little background of of who you are and what makes you tick yeah you know it's kind of interesting with with me i come out of the corporate world uh, I picked up a camera seriously and started photographing way back in 1983. Within about two years of picking up that camera, I was being published nationally from Ducks Unlimited to a number of other magazines. But the thing is, being in that corporate world, I was the executive vice president of a beer, wine, hard liquor distributorship in Washington and in Alaska. Uh, so I did, uh, marketing on a part-time basis for almost eight years from there. I did go full-time in 1992, 
But my wife was saying, what in the H are you doing leaving this really good six-figure income? So what I did is I put together a one-year business plan and a five-year business plan. And what I'm getting at is I had to make a decision then. Do I want to be famous or do I want to make a living? John, I decided I wanted to make a living. Yes. There's lots of people still to this day, even as a, one of the 33 Canon Explorers of Light, they really don't know who I am, but I can bet they've seen my photographs many times over because when I went full-time, I did it as a stock photographer, did some of my own marketing, and also workshops and programs. So that's a little bit of the history where I started this career out. Wow. So yeah, there's so many nuggets in there. I like the I like the uh, the, the the choice between being famous and making money. And and many people think that those need to be synonymous with one another. That you have to be famous in order to make money, but that's not necessarily the case. It's almost it's almost the opposite. Uh, in, in this case, until you get to a certain level, let's say like an Art Wolf, uh, Tom Mangelson, uh, Franz Lantin, you know, a lot of these are both famous and have done relatively or quite well financially. But most of us, what we need to do is we need to come up with that business plan that allows us to do our passion, and that is doing photography and still being able to do it and make a living. Of course, if you marry somebody with lots of bucks, <laughs> that makes it pretty easy, doesn't it, John? It does. It does. I'm uh, I, I'm fortunate that that my wife has a regular, a nice corporate job, and and allows me to do what I uh, what I want to do. Um, so I'm very fortunate that way. But but I think you know the big message out of that, Daryl, for anybody thinking about because I talk to folks that, that always talk about, you know, what's it like turning professional? Should I should I do this? Should I do that? You know, even though we're involved in an artistic pursuit, this is business. And you have to have that business plan and you have to approach it like a business person, not like an artist. Exactly, John. Uh, a couple things. One, uh, being the past president of NAMPA, I've given actually programs for them on the business side of photography. Uh, I taught for a number of years uh, the business course of nature photography for the Rocky Mountain School of Photography. And what I say to be successful in photography, you need three things. You've got to be a great photographer. You don't have to be the very best. The better you are, yes, the better it is. But the second one is one of the real keys, and that is you need to be a great business person. Fortunately for me, I graduated from the University of Washington with a business degree. Again, came out of the corporate world. Uh, I did contract negotiations with Teamsters for 15 years. I worked with attorneys, accounting, on and on. That really helped. And then the third one is you really need great interpersonal skills. Yeah. We deal with people every day. Now, social media, on the phone, internet, email, phone, etc. But we need to really be able to deal 
with people. It's hard being an introvert and uh, and being in this business. You really can't, and you have to be good at at communication. I think I think communication skills are probably one of the most important things. Because you're, you know, to add on to that, Daryl, you're dealing with so many different types of people and different types of communication styles. That uh, yeah, I find that communication is one of the keys to to really having that connection with people and, and building your client base up. And yeah, that, that is, yeah, that is very true. Take a look at you and I, and many others, we do workshops, look at the variety of personalities we deal with on those day to days that we're out in the field. Yeah. 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 That's very true. Yeah, it is. So, so Daryl, let me, let, let's, what's it like being a, being a Canon Explorer of Light? I mean, there's only 33 of you in the world, and so to have a chance to talk to one of you is uh, kind of a special treat. So what, uh, what's involved with that, uh, with that honor? Well, first off, that honor is like 25 years to be instant success. <laughs> uh, I had a goal of working with Canon going back into the mid-90s. And what happened, I don't know about you, John, but there's always these crossroads, these people that are your mentors or that you work with or you meet, like we're talking about interpersonal skills. I'm going to just tell a real quick story. Yeah. 1988, I've been a number of times to Ding Darling National Wildlife Refuge and photographed there. I am down there photographing. I pretty much know where all of the things are happening, where the yellow-crowned night herons are nesting, etc. Here comes this guy in a vehicle up, and it's George Lepp. Now, George Lepp is really well-known back even then with outdoor photographer, with his picture out everywhere. For me, instead of going up to George and saying, hey, George, I've got a question on this, 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 and picking his brain, I came up to George and I said, hey, George, have you ever been on the refuge before? And he said, no. I said, well, if you go here, take a look here, these are some of the things that you can see on the refuge. Since that day, we have been great personal friends. George has been the one that put the bug into cannon back in the late 90s about Daryl Galeen, and you should start taking a look at him. From there, I worked with cannon on a number of things. We used to do the, the cannon in the park. I was not an explorer of light, but I would do workshops for cannon in the uh, Yellowstone, Grand Canyon, Yosemite, and they started seeing how I could work with people. And finally, in 2006, they offered me my first contract. And I've been that explorer of light since. Back then, there were well over 45 to 50 explorer of lights just in this last contract. In December, they uh, let go 15 of the explorer of lights, added five new ones that are really... Uh, not necessarily totally younger, but also a lot with social media savvy. Mm -hmm. They kept me. They kept, fortunately, uh, they they kept me. So. Yeah, well, that's fantastic. 
So what? So what's involved? Like, like, what's your obligation with this uh, with this designation? Okay, as being an explorer of light, there's there's several things. One, I need to represent Canon yep. and Canon's products. How do I do that? Uh, through programs that I speak and represent them around the U.S. Uh, also, uh, like I just did an article for Outdoor Photographer in April for Macro Photography. I worked with Canon on that. Uh, next month, I've already recorded a social media event that's called This and That. And it's a video of me and a couple other of the wildlife nature explorer of lights asking us questions such as do we like sunrise or sunset and giving short quick answers uh another thing and this is the big push for them is social media you need to have a presence on social media you need to be active on social media and they really target instagram more than anything else hmm. Now, what do I get for that? I can't tell you the dollar amounts, but they give you good contract. Uh, this is an 18-month contract. Uh, we get uh, equipment at a really good price, uh, Canon printers, inks, papers, repairs of equipment. Uh, and they, they do pay us nicely for different things. Like right now, I've got a, a, a print sequence of a sandhill crane taking flight that's five images in a row that they're printing and putting up in their gallery at canon usa oh, nice. all of these things we do get paid for yeah wow that sounds like uh you know i hate to say the pinnacle because there's always room to grow but that's a that's a fantastic honor to be working with with Canon. I mean, they're a they've been a fantastic company for so many years and and continue to be so even even in the light of uh, you know sometimes some dismal uh, camera sales figures coming out. But Canon seems to have sort of a, a resurgence coming along here. Yeah, Canon. Truthfully, I've been photographing with Canon since nineteen eighty five. They've been great to work with. Yep. If I didn't like their equipment, I would not be using their equipment because of my working and teaching workshops, giving programs. Anything that I represent is something that I love to use and is a great tool for me. <clears throat> Canon right now is finally starting to get more and more into the mirrorless uh, I can't talk more about it. I I know all about it. The R5 that's R5. coming out. Yeah. I am really excited about it. Yeah, I've been hearing um, some really good, really good rumors about that. So it'll be exciting. It, it will. Let me put it this way: George Lepp and I are waiting for it. We have we don't get it for free. We are going to buy it. We get a great deal for it. But as soon as it comes available, I'm getting it. That's how much, because right now I am a big time Canon 5D Mark IV shooter. I love that camera. Yep. For me to go to mirrorless, uh, I have an RP now. I've shot with the R, but I really am excited about the R5. 
Yeah, it is. I, I think it's super exciting. I've been hearing some. I, I was, as I told you earlier, you know, I was a, a longtime Canon shooter and loved the glass that that Canon produced. Right. And and uh, I've been hearing some fantastic things about the glass for their mirrorless system as well. Yeah, we we can say like they're going to have a one hundred to five hundred zoom that I think will be fantastic. They're twenty four to one hundred five is a super lens also. Uh, for me, my workhorse in camera, uh, when I do my traveling from wildlife to travel to nature and landscape, I love using, my workhorse is a 24 to 105. Uh, and then along with that is the 1 to 400 that Canon has. Yeah. The so, Daryl, I, I got to ask: Are you sitting out on your patio right now, enjoying the sunshine? No, but I think <laughs> I'm sorry. We've we we've got a uh, we've got three acres of a yard, and guess what happened? The yard service has to come in. Of right course. Now. So I just I just thought that was funny. So well, was... I, I can hear him too. Yeah. Um, I've got the window closed. Well, no, I, I it's not bad at all. So no worries. Um, so yeah, back to Canon mirrorless. Going to be super exciting to see what they come out with with this R five. When when is uh, has they announced a tentative launch date for that? Well, they they did, but with the virus coming in, some things have kind of changed. Yeah. So uh, we're kind of anticipating. We were hoping to see for everybody probably in July, uh, but I'm really not sure now. But as soon as it comes. We'll, we'll be right there with it. Yeah. yeah. You know, another thing, uh, there's a travel photographer, Terry Gold. I don't know if you know her. She does wonderful infrared and that. She just wrote to me questioning about the R5 and said, well, I don't need the 8K. Well, I don't need the 8K myself, but there's so many other things that are going to come from this camera that I think are going to really be super so, so for those that don't know, um, what is the AK? The AK video. Uh, when we finally get all of the um, software that will really work with AK, uh, it's almost potentially where oh, we're going to be. Look, yeah, 8K eight, video. Yes, yes. We're going to be almost clip things from that video. Yeah, it's I mean, the, the processing power required is kind of scary to think about uh, for crunching that, that amount of video for, for you video shooters out there. Exactly. So, Dar let me let me kind of jump around a little bit, you know, looking. So for those of you that have never seen Daryl's work, I encourage you to go to his website. I'll post a link up on um, the wetalkphoto.com webpage. Um, but for those that are just listening mobile, it's galenephoto.com. I believe that's correct, Daryl? It's it's D period galenephoto. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. It's it's galenephoto.com. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So he's got a fantastic gallery up there. And, and what you'll see when you, when you look at a lot of Daryl's recent images posted on his website is a lot of travel. So you've been to some amazing places, you know, Antarctica, Namibia, um, Africa, um, lots of animals, um, lots of wildlife I, I, shooting that you do. Yeah, John, I've been really fortunate to travel to all seven continents and more than once to these seven continents, from China to Japan in the winter 
to Australia. There's lots of areas that I haven't gotten to, uh, but most all of the ones that have been on my bucket list, I've been fortunately able to go to. And I think I think I remember, if I remember right, you've been to Antarctica seven times. Yes. Yes, that, seven that, times. That blows my mind. So I'm I'm fascinated with Antarctica. What's it What's it like going down there? What's the trip like? Well, let Let's start out with this way. Number one, it's expensive. Yeah. Is it worth Is it worth it? Yes. But for me, remember we talked starting out. Do I want to make money or do I want to be famous? One of the ways for me to control costs was to start doing local workshops then more regional workshops, then U.S.-type workshops, and finally getting recognized to where people would want me to take them around the world doing workshops. That's how I controlled my costs. Yep. But let's let's go back to Antarctica. Um, many people always are asking, where are my favorite places to photograph? And the three of my favorite areas to photograph, number one is Kenya, East Africa. Number two, South Georgia in the Antarctic trip. And number three, my backyard. Mm -hmm. So let's let's go to Antarctica. Um, Out of that, my favorite, usually when I do like with Joe Van Oss tours, We do an ultimate Antarctica trip. We're gone for 30 days. We start out photographing in the Falkland Islands, sail another day and a half to South Georgia, stay there for five plus days, then sail another two days down to the Antarctic Peninsula. I love South Georgia. It is fantastic. It's got the king penguins. It's got macaroni penguins it's got the fur seals it's got the elephant seals it's got the wonderful landscapes wait the wait king, Ma- macaroni king, penguins does macaroni it come, does it come they, with red sauce or white sauce yeah what they've got is these wonderful uh flarings like rock do you know what the rock hopper penguin looks like i do the, yeah the macaroni even has more of a golden uh side flares to it so the macaroni is one of my favorite penguins. <laughs> that's awesome! Wow, that's quite, so. That's quite a that's quite a commitment to be gone for thirty days. That's tough. That that is what is the toughest part of doing some of these workshops, especially the long ones like that. Yeah. What I do though, when I go uh, on those long trips, I actually lease a satellite phone so I can be in touch. My wife and I now have been married for 52 going on 53 years. Wow. We're still married. And what I do is like I get a satellite phone so I'm in touch with her daily when I'm out on such a long trip. Yes. Is uh how do they how do they deal with connectivity on board and all that? Um is there a limited amount of bandwidth through the ship for all the clients or yeah, there it's it can be somewhat expensive, but you can do emails, etc. You can get emails. You can make calls also on their service. 
but I find uh, having my own satellite phone gives me more flexibility. Yeah. Kind of sounds like Jack and I, for, for several years, ran a workshop up in Katmai National Park um, photographing yeah. the grizzly bears. And, you know, you go up there and you're lucky if you can send one email a day and there's no cell phone. And it's uh, it's kind of a different feeling being being so disconnected from the world and, and your loved ones, which is tough. That's true. Uh, another explorer of light and good friend of mine, uh, Rick Salmon, just before the virus hit, was down in Antarctica. And uh, the, the ships now are really quite sophisticated. He was posting on Facebook daily. So uh, that is really good. But if I was like to Katmai, believe it or not, maybe I wouldn't buy. But again, I would lease a satellite phone. Yeah. Or if you want to just get away for five to seven days and get away from the world, <laughs> enjoy. Yeah, sometimes it's not bad to disconnect from the from the rat race. But when you're running a business and you have social media commitments, you know, you got to you got to stay on top of these things. You really do. And yeah. again, remember what we said, interpersonal skills. We can't just go off the grid. No, no. Nope. Not this day and age. Not this day and age. Well, wow. So are you going to uh, plan on going back to Antarctica anytime? Well, the reason I'm pausing is probably now not. Uh, several things is I've done it so many times. Uh, I've been fortunate to see it. Uh, there's other places I would like to see instead. Um uh, also, now I've been making more and more of a commitment. Uh, my wife is a cancer survivor of over five years. Congratulations. And uh, she, she loves photography. She does not like the cold. She does not like ships. So we will find other places to photograph. Oh, fantastic. So, you know, I've been seeing a lot of uh, butterflies from you recently. Is that, is that one of your passions, photographing butterflies? Butterflies, moths, have been a passion for well over 20 years. Uh, I'm kind of glad you asked that. Uh, another thing, uh, besides going to my website, I would love people, here goes my plug. Yeah, do it. would love for them, number one, to go to Facebook. All you have to do is on Facebook, do a search on Daryl Galane. Uh, also, a key to me is go to my Instagram accounts. Uh, just since uh, December, the 1st of December is my first postings on Instagram. Just a minute, I'm going to be, I'm grabbing my uh, book here. Yeah, yeah. And, and I just want to let you know how many posts I made. This is where you're going to really see a lot of my imagery, uh, what's going presently. But also, John, what I've done in the past, like since December, like the 23rd, I made 337 posts just on Instagram. Wow. That's, Probably you've been busy. I've been busy. What, guess what? One of the most popular items is a butterfly. butterfly. Yeah. So I have photographed over. 400 to 450 varieties of tropical butterflies over the years. 
That doesn't count the North American species or the silk moths, but yes, it is It is a passion. I'm not necessarily trying to look at a butterfly that matches perfectly with uh, the flower that they go with. What I'm looking for is an image that is marketable and saleable and is graphic. I hope that makes sense. So I might have a tropical butterfly actually on a zinnia. And that's one of the ones that I just posted the other day. But butterflies um, are one of the most popular items that I've been showing and will continue to because, yes, it is a passion. And, yes, I am still photographing them. So for those folks interested in doing that, Daryl, do they uh, do you find that you need to go to a like a butterfly not arboretum, but uh, a butterfly house, or do you find them out in nature? How do you how do you go about getting into this? Well, I would do it three ways. Uh, number one, one of the best ways you're exactly right is to go to one of the butterfly houses. A number of them are around the U.S. Uh, all the way from uh, Victoria, B.C., with uh, Bouchard Gardens right yep. next to it. It's a great butterfly house down in Florida. Uh, there's really great butterfly houses uh, in the Seattle area, like the Science Center has had butterflies there. That is one of the best places because it's a controlled venue for you. Yeah. The other one is I love to do gardening, and we really do a lot of flower gardening and a lot of a lot of the flowers we use are ones that attract butterflies. That's another way of doing it. Also, it isn't beyond me to get a butterfly out, net a butterfly, photograph it in my kitchen in a more controlled situation, and then let it go. I, not, I do not want to harm the butterfly, not any of them that are indigenous to the Northwest. But that's another way. Uh, a third way is in the past, I had a USDA permit to raise butterflies, just like the butterfly houses. They do not give that permit out anymore. I wish they did. Hmm. But if you do Google searches, you can find different North American species that are indigenous to our area that you can purchase as a chrysalis or a pupia, and you can hatch them out, photograph them. That's ah, a good way. Fascinating. You know, one, that, uh, one of the things I appreciate about you, Daryl, is you have such a wide variety of images that, that, you, that you post. Um, you know, a lot of, some people are just only landscape and nature. Others are predominantly wildlife. I mean, you look at you look at your site and its travel, its people, its animals, its landscape, macros. Even you know, one of the things that I'm that that really caught my attention that I love is uh, is you did some close up work of some agate slices. And agates are really beautiful rocks that have lots of different colorations to them. And, and you did some really captivating abstracts of agate slices, which was a kind of an inspiration to me as well. I went and when I was over at the coast a couple of weeks ago, I 
spent some time photographing agates as well, thanks to your inspiration. And so just this vast variety that, that you have become really uh, an expert at, it's, it's great to see. Thank you, John. What was interesting is when in the early mid-80s, when they would talk about you trying to make a living at photography, they said specialize. I really did the opposite. I went out and I would learn the techniques of how to do. The first thing I was really published with was birds. Uh, I was probably one of the five, ten most published bird photographers in the late 80s, early 90s, from covers of Audubon, Birders World, Living Bird, Bird Bird's World Digest, on and on. But I recognized I could not just make a living at one of these. So what my technique is, is learn how to photograph a landscape and continue to improve on that. Then working with wildlife, macro, travel, people. And that's what I have done. I'm glad that you have seen that in my work. Yeah, it's and and do, do you find I mean, I, this is one of my beliefs, though, you know, let's say that I'm a core of a landscape nature photographer and I start teaching myself how to shoot people or how to shoot macros or, you know, wildlife, whatever. I think all of that adds into your collective skill. So even though shooting people might not be your core passion or your interest, I think it helps your photography in those areas where you're more passionate about. I think all of that collectively helps you make a better photographer. I really believe it does. It it does broaden your scope. It it broadens your skill sets. It does. It also, does. Yeah. Also, what I love is uh, I now am doing drone photography. Yeah, yeah me too. And uh, it it's new, it's different, and that that's the other thing is is it allows your creative juices to keep flowing. Yeah. So we just don't stagnate. Let's just say landscape after landscape, which again I love doing landscape. But then what's great is is that I'm doing that landscape, and this just happened a week and a half ago. I was up in the uh, Eastern Cascades and we came into this group of wildflowers uh, in a, a burnt forest area and these little glacier lilies were showing. And immediately I went and started doing macro photography. Mm -hmm. So if there were birds, which I was looking for, but really didn't get an opportunity, I would have been doing wildlife photography also. Yeah. I, th I think it's it's fantastic to be multi, multi talented and multi interested. You know, when I was at the beach uh, a, a couple of weeks ago, the the weather, you know, beautiful Oregon coast is one of the most magnificent places to photograph. And and you think about grand landscapes and seascapes and all this kind of stuff. I spent the first four days walking around town shooting flower macros, and I was having the time yeah, of my life. Like it's great. It's like uh, my wife and I, we go down to Cannon Beach almost every year. And Cannon Beach has all these beautiful cottages and their gardens. I mean, I do as much of that as going out and doing Haystack Rock. Yeah. Yep. So, so I think... And so it just, 
it broadens your skills. Yeah. yeah. So for folks, for, for those of you listening, I think the I think the point that we're trying to get across here is don't, don't put yourself in a box. Don't put yourself in a niche. Um, you know, learn to photograph everything that you can. You know, I, people ask me what I am and what I do. And it's like, I'm a photographer. I don't care what I shoot. If I'm, I can find passion and interest in just about any subject and, and then photograph it. So, you know, don't put yourself in a box. Exactly. So Daryl, after, you know, after 35 years or we'll call it 30 years, so I don't age you so bad. How do you, how do you still find that, that passion? I mean, what, where does that, where's that come from? Well, it came from the very beginning. As soon as I took, I used to do artwork, uh, pen and ink sketches, calligraphy, And then I picked up that camera and it's been like a rocket ship and it has not slowed up one Mm. iota. Uh, I can, I love just creating photographs. The other thing is, is you mentioned like with the agates and that, or the butterflies, or I do feathers. Uh, What I love about it also is the research element that we have that ability to do now. We are constantly learning so it's creating the image but it's also what was that subject what did i take a picture of do research on it find out more about it so that that passion has stayed that log has been burning and it's not burning out oh that's fantastic to hear you know, one of the one of the things that I think is is really kind of interesting that you do you run a you run a workshop to uh, photograph cowboys. Yes, and that's a pretty unique uh, a pretty unique thing. How did you get into that? You know, and it is a totally different skill set. It, it's almost part of it's like wildlife with the horse running speed, etc. It's also like a portrait photographer because I'm taking pictures of the cowboys, cowgirls. Uh, it really is a great combination of that. Where I started is back in the mid eighties, there was a lady out of Oregon that was leading photo workshops near sisters at a ranch. And I would see at some PSA photo competitions, these photos of the dust flying, the horses running, the cowboys behind, the ropes flying, and I just got fascinated by it. So what did I do? I started doing research on it. I had been leading workshops. I was able to actually help the photo leader as an assistant to do that. Then I linked up with one of the top equestrian photographers, Jay Goss was his name, is his name, in the Northwest. And we came up and scouted this ranch, the Ponderosa Ranch in Seneca, Oregon. Then I did cowboy horse drive uh, workshops for popular photography in Texas, in Montana, uh, then I, besides doing my own Joe Van Oss and I linked up and then we started doing at the hideout ranch in Wyoming, 
a number of photo workshops with the cowboy horse drives. And I've done them from spring, summer, fall, and winter. My wow. favorite is the winter. I would imagine. I've I've always wanted to photograph uh, wild horses in the snow, and I've yet to yet to get that point. Maybe, maybe I'll have to uh, come along with you. Yeah, we're we're looking at working with uh, the Hideout Ranch now uh, to do another photo workshop. Uh, the only question is going to be is where do we go with this virus, travel, etc. Yeah. So that is something we're looking for in the future. What's really interesting with this social media now and people seeing these things, I'm finding that I'm getting really demands for doing articles, gallery work, workshops, podcasts, print sales, programs, networking. Uh, social media, as we know, John, takes a lot of time. But also, if you put your time into it, it really can pay for you. It can. It can pay off for sure. Yeah. It, but, you know, you have to do it right and you have to do it smart and you have to do it like business, not like social. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So there's a so, whole different mindset. Yeah. I'm not going to post what I ate for the day, but I will <laughs> post. I, I, I will post images and give information about them not long long stories but give some information on how it was taken where it was taken a little bit about the subjects yeah, yeah. but getting back to the cowboy horse drives it's been one of my favorite things to do because i can go from the horses without the cowboys in it and the power and the strength and the skill sets that it takes um i love doing it and teaching people how to take those photographs, how to do a pan blur, how to stop the action. And believe it or not, with these cowboys and the horses, like at the Shell, Wyoming, at the Hideout Ranch, I literally, when I started working with them in 2006, 2007, after I scouted the area out, I dress them, I picked the color the horses were going to run, where we're running them, how we're running them, directions. And we use two-way walkie-talkie radios with the head lead cowboy. Wow. Wow. You got it all mapped out and planned out. So it it really is. It, it is script. If it was not scripted, let's see. What was the program that I, my wife and I just finished watching The Outlander? I don't know if you've seen that program. No. But in Outlander, they use horses at times in it. The director just said in an interview, of anything, I'm happy that we're at the end of doing this series because I hate working with horses. They, they have a mind of their own. Yeah. And we have to learn to work with the horses for what we can get from them. And so it, some of it is scripted. Uh, some of it, that, though, we just take it. It's serendipity what actually will happen. Yep. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're natural creatures that are, that are a little bit sentient, and they know, uh, they know what they want, and they know what they want to do. And so you have to sort of work with them and not 
you can't completely bend them to your will. Yeah. Correct. No. Yeah, that's true. So, Daryl, let me let me ask you one final thing. So, uh, we don't, you know, we generally don't talk a lot about technical details here on this uh, on this program, but. You know, I'm just just curious because you've been um, doing this for so long, and you've been processing, developing images for so long. What's your what's your kind of current philosophy on post processing? Well, what has happened, and which has been really great and fortunate for me, I've grown up in the digital world with the Art Wolfs, the John Shaws, the George Lapps. Rick Salmons, Adam Joneses, and on and on. And what I've tried to do is pick and choose from what I see, from how they do it, to what my processing is. Especially as I've been in the past a major stock photographer, I'm not just going after one image. I'm going after hundreds of images, quality images that have a meaning to them, a concept to them. And then when I process, I process very quickly. I don't take forever with one image. If I did, I would go broke. Yep. My philosophy is this is what I do. If I was just starting out now, I would use Lightroom. John, I do not use Lightroom. I use Photoshop, the raw converter, and I do it through Bridge. Mm -hmm. The raw converter, I have pretty much uh, somewhat the basic standards of what my processing is going to be. And my belief is, is that I want to make sure I get quality of the image in the camera at the time of taking the picture not thinking I can do something afterwards. You just nailed the point I wanted to make. I mean, that's something that, that Jack and I preach a lot is getting it right in camera. That's where mm -hmm. a lot of the, the, the artistry and the pride, at least for me, comes from is getting the best file that I can get. And that way I don't have to process too much. That is, that is exactly right. Uh, hey, listen. I know all the techniques. If I need to put a brand new butterfly wing on it, I can do it. I can replace things. I can change things. But that is more for the fun of it for me. Right. Uh, I just want to make sure that I get it right in the first place. Just real quickly, when I was up in the, the mountains, it was Table Mountain, Burnt Forest. I have this yellow glacier lily with black, black, charred logs, branches. That is a very difficult exposure. Yep. I want to make sure, though, when I'm out in the field that I get the correct exposure using the histogram. And also, in this case, when anybody looks at this, I did it with HDR in camera with my 5D Mark IV. I did a plus two, minus two, and right on. John, why did I do that? Because that latitude between that bright yellow and that black black was too much for one for image. one frame, yep. But I did that out in the field knowing what I could then bring back. That, that's 
that's my my theory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do it out in the field. Yep. Yep. Get it right in camera. That's for sure. Yeah. It's uh, Lightroom's really come a long ways in terms of a of a post processing tool. I I grew up when it was nothing more than a catalog tool for me. Um, but you know, more and more people are just using Lightroom only. I'm still a Photoshop guy because I don't want to give up the hundreds of hours of learning that I've put into Photoshop. Well, well, um, the thing is with with Lightroom and the Raw Converter in both that and and Photoshop, we're going to come up with most everything we need. Yeah. In Photoshop, I like the use of more their cleaning tools that they have a little bit more usage there with it. Uh, but there's so many other programs out there. I mean, Topaz with their uh, AI denoise, their sharpening, their AI gigapixel, uh, Aurora with their HDR and now so easily to do layers and bring in skies. All of these things I love to learn. One other thing that's really interesting, when I started out, how did we learn anything? We had to hopefully find a book or read a magazine. Nowadays, it is so easy compared. Mm -hmm. I just have to go to YouTube. Yeah, there's a video for everything. And what you need to do is be able to put a filter on your brain, what works, what does make sense, what doesn't make sense. Yeah. I mean, there's there's so many good, as you were ticking those off, Daryl, there's, you know, there's so many fantastic uh, software choices available to us as photographers today. It's crazy. I mean, the ones you mentioned, Luminar, Nick, you know, it just goes on and on and on. Uh, Capture One, all the great, great softwares. And it's you know, it really comes down to it's not what the tool is that you use. It's really how you use it and how you, you envision it. this final product. Correct. And one other word of caution, don't take on too many of these at once or you will be <laughs> a master of none. none. Yep. Yep. That's very, very true. Well, Daryl, you know, I think we're kind of rounding out our time. I could keep talking to you for hours and hours and hours, but we'll uh, we'll keep this, uh, try to keep it under an hour for folks. Is there anything, uh, you know, now's a great time to plug anything further that you want to give a shout out to? Well, the main thing I want to plug is take a look at my Instagram, take a look at my social media, Facebook, et cetera. Uh, Workshops right now, I'm kind of right now, I'd say in limbo, but I want to see what goes. Also, as I mentioned, my wife and I are doing a lot of traveling ourselves. Tomorrow we go for a day to the Palouse, just the two of us to photograph. Uh, Canon is coming out with some great new equipment. Be patient with all of that. But the main thing is just enjoy your photography. John, what you guys are doing here, I've known Jack for many years. We've been at many programs together, etc. When you get somebody like you and Jack that are quality people, that's who you should go out and learn from. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Thank you for that, Daryl. Thank you. Yes, for Daryl. those that uh, – so just if you guys want to go look at his Instagram and Facebook, the last name – is spelled G-U-L-I-N. So, there you go. Yep. 
Yeah, but it looks different than it's pronounced. So look up Daryl, two R's, two L's, G-U-L-I-N. Um, Thank you, John. I'll, you're welcome. I'll, I'll put a link to all of his website and social media stuff up on wetalkphoto.com. Uh, Daryl, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much for coming on our program. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, John. All right. Well, folks, thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned for another episode. Um, and if you have any questions, always you can send us an email at uh, wetalkphoto at gmail.com, and we'll get back to you promptly. Otherwise, have a great day. Keep photographing. Stay positive. Stay safe. And just enjoy life as you have it. So we'll talk to you later. Thank you. Bye-bye.